Hey y'all, this is Marcus, tuning in from a beautiful place in the world with a beautiful waterfall and a beautiful lady to my left. And I'm just wishing everybody on the podcast listening good vibes, good vibrations, good energy, and positivity. Just in terms of living, I definitely want to get outside the country, the states. This is so much of the world left to, to, to see. And like, once you get out, especially in Europe, once you get out there, you can hit it like I did. You can hit a bunch of places for relatively cheap amount, as opposed to like, it costs so much to even just get to the West Coast. <laughs> from <here>. That's, a, <laughs> that's interesting, though, because like, I mean, I'm someone who talks a lot about how I want to leave the country uh, after, you know, like in the 2020s, at least, like, I'm not saying I wouldn't even eventually settle down in America, but I definitely want to live a few years outside of the country. Like, I feel like that's very important. But I feel like for me, some of that comes from not feeling as rooted in America and like feeling like, okay, my parents came here. Like, I'm like the first generation, you know what I'm saying? So um, I don't really feel like tied in, but I feel like it's different for you because your family has been in America for like generations at this point. So it's interesting right. that you're like, that you still don't necessarily feel like tied, tied to it. Um, but you're still like, nah, I got it. There's more to see out there. Absolutely. I think that is an interesting point. I mean, part of it, I still was feeling a little guilty, obviously. Cause I'm like, all right, I still want some of my family. To, so there's two points. It's like, there's still a lot to be seen. Right. But then you got your place where like, yeah, like my, my whole family. So like a generation, as you said, like, I still want them to see the other dope stuff in the world, too. It's not that I got to stay here. It would be mm-hmm. dope to have everybody just go explore the rest of the, you know, the world. So it's a luxury that a lot of us don't really get to do. But that don't, you know, that don't necessarily mean just because I, I say it all the time. Like, I'm, like, I'm deeply rooted in my family. Um, kind of like while I was, I was out there on the trip, I was like, damn. I wish, you know, I wish little bro was here. I wish moms was here. Good to see this. Because they, you know, I'm not the only person I haven't visited, you know, outside the States. And it's like, dang, they've been talking. We've been talking about this for many, many years. Like, you know, sitting, sitting at the table playing cards and stuff like that. You know, just talking about it. But, um, you know, I guess it's like twofold. Like, you got, you got where you were and then you got where you want to be at. I feel like this is a good, this is a good segue into, uh, to some intros because you kind of are giving some of your background so i'd love to hear a little bit more about it you know what i'm saying 
So what up, y'all? It's your boy, Lucid, the Zim. Today, who am I joined by? And uh, also, since since we're already talking about like geographics and families and stuff like that, where are you from? Washington, D.C. This Percy, Percy Goins, Percy P. Sending much love. So, so you, where have you lived in the States? I have lived in three states. D.C. Well, are we going? We're going. We're going to consider D.C. a state for now. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> D.C. Maryland and New York. Those are the three states that I've lived in since being in the states. But my family. So my family is originally from South Carolina. Um, I got family out there. I got family in Virginia. Um, I got family in Texas, Florida. Uh, pretty much all. I got some West Coast folks too. Um, so I've I, you know I've been to those places. Just just the places that I've actually called home. It's only it's only been D.C., Maryland, and New York. When you first got to New York, what was like the biggest culture shock from coming from down south up here? Biggest culture shock to me was the pace, man. Uh, one of my college buddies, she uh, she always used to joke around with me. She said, "I know you from DC. The, the way you walk, you walk real slow." <laughs> and it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of testament to the culture. And like you know, in, in DC, a lot of times um, you're not moving at the. I'm not saying you're not moving with purpose. You just I don't know. You taking you taking in the world a lot, whereas opposed to like when I moved to New York, everyone's moving at a. They're going to a destination. You, there's not really unless you're a tourist in, in Times Square or something. You're not really like just like walking at a slower pace and like taking in the vibes. And that kind of that kind of that kind of hit me hit me kind of hard because a lot of times that makes it difficult for you to make like genuine friendships and stuff like that because everyone moving. So I think that was like a big culture shock. Luckily, luckily for me, when I first moved here. I got, you know, I had I had a couple people that I had already known because I got recruited to play ball. And so I was I was generally, I, I didn't need to, like, I didn't necessarily have a troubling time. Like, a lot of people say they have a troubling time, like, being, like, good friends. But I at least had, like, a couple people I could hang out with and stuff like that. Yeah, that's real. There's a lot more, like, inaccessibility amongst just, like, people, like, in New York. Like, I never would want to just, like, start a conversation on the street with someone. someone right, 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 right. Which is absolutely. funny, actually, because I feel like we became homies because, like, the first time we kicked it was because I literally saw you on campus just, like, sitting on a bench or something. I was like, <laughs> yeah, let me just go over and say what up because I feel like we would, like, be good friends, and now here we are. <laughs> but, absolutely. like, that was such an anti-New York thing. So it's also funny to hear that, you know, you were kind of coming from that environment like that was something that you were also seeing too i mean also i met you a few years down the line regardless there's a connection to be made if you look for it right absolutely you notice it see people just like different just taking their life you're like oh man like we can definitely chop it up well it seemed like a genuine cool dude i'm like yeah man here we are now you know right and we were in we, we took a music humanities class so we were out there listening to like Bach and Beethoven Bach together. And, yeah, <laughs> Gustav and all that. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, yeah, Gustav is your favorite, right? That's my favorite, Marlon, man. It's my dude. I love that. Symphony Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yo, you're like a, a renaissance man, bro. <laughs> <laughs> You've been saying that for a minute. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. No, but for I real, though, like, just, just in terms of, like, I feel like there's so many – you're someone who – uh, is curious but also like follows through on your curiosity like I feel like I know a lot of people who are like hmm, I wonder what it's like to like 
look into music production. But I don't know a lot of people who like hit me up with like a random beat. Like, yo, I was thinking, I was like, <laughs> I downloaded Fruity Loops last night and I just kind of like played around with it. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, we talking about we talking about some beefs that shall hopefully stay in the vault for a very, very long. <laughs> yeah, man, I remember that. I see what you, I see what you mean. Yeah, I'm, I I do I do like. Um, Every product. time I come to your crib, I feel like you have a new, like two or three new books. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I like to I like to learn, man. I love I love I love knowledge, man. I think knowledge is power. I kind of like try to live that way. That's why I'm always teaching and stuff like that. Going back, trying to you know get involved with the community and things like that, just because I realize how how powerful knowledge can be in getting you out of situations that you you know or when I say situations, I mean or stereotypes and things like that. It can get you out of locations. It can get you out of a lot of places and, and just move you down. You know, move you to a path that you want to walk, um, and not necessarily a path that you had to walk. And, and so, like, when I say I'm, like, I'm curious about a lot of knowledge, I'm like, because I'm like, dang, this is dope. I wonder how I could apply this. And, like, you know, this, this I see I see other great, great people doing this similar things. I'm like, oh, man, I'm pretty sure I could probably do something similar. I mean, I may not be able to do it as, as, as dope, but I'm going to try. I'm a daggone try. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I think that's part of it, you know, just having that courage to just go go out there and go get it. Is that understanding of, of the value of knowledge and the fact that knowledge is power, is that something that you feel like was just like an innate quality that you had growing up? Or do you feel like along the way you had certain people in your life who kind of taught you um, those things? And like, is there a certain time in your life that you feel like that became more of your mantra? Or was it just something that from the jump you were like, yo, this is this is important? I think I think it was a mixture of both. I think early on, I realized in a very like, I would say a closed sense. Like I understood that expertise was something that could move you and 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 make you a power player. And I was specifically thinking about it in the terms of like football and things like that. And like if if you if you if you learn the more film you study, the the, the more you know about the game, the more um, successful you're going to be as a as a athlete. Like I, I knew that I knew that growing up. But there was also I think people in my life. That kind of like expanded my the the role of education and things like that, and I think just like just watching people, watching OGs and enable and seeing how like the OGs are really the ones that really knew a lot about the game, and like as you if uh, your seniority is a clear evidence of like a lot of knowledge, man. If you if you if you live in this life for a long time, you you must know something, you know, you must have learned something because you out here you survived this long, you right? Know what I mean, so. Um, and just like watching and things like that, and I think it just like spilt over when I when I got to college. I think I didn't really get a chance to study philosophy growing up, but then just uh, just like being given the opportunity to learn philosophy in college, and just like understanding how like you know we walk through this life constantly as teachers and students, and just just that's how you like interact with people. And it was a lot of time you have open discussion, how you can see how people think and things like that, and it became super apparent to me like. That's power, <laughs> you know. I don't know if it's a con- I don't know if it's necessarily like a con- common understanding. I think it's just something you eventually you just come to realize, like as you just move through life, um, just interacting with people, people and things, and that's I think that's honestly that's what it was. Damn, I feel like we, now that philosophy has been mentioned, it's a great time to segue into. Uh, I'm gonna pull this one out of the cut. 
So a while back, we, we were uh, kicking it up in Harlem at your crib. This might have been your previous crib, actually. But you, <laughs> we were kicking it at some point. And, uh, and I remember you sat me down and you were like, bro, I had a realization. And I was like, all right, save it for the podcast. <laughs> and now here we are. And hopefully you'd still remember this realization. Right. Now, so yeah, I'd be curious uh, if you could you know, rewind all the way back to that moment. Well, hopefully, if it was like a realization, then you know it stuck with you. So, so anyway, I'm just gonna hand you the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I do remember this. I do remember this conversation. I think it was. I think it was in my current spot in Harlem. Mm. But so, so many, many months later. Let me think. Let me see. It definitely. It was definitely a realization. I'm trying to think. What was the context behind it, though? Usually, these realizations we focus on. It. No, what was the lesson? <laughs> but let me see. What was that? I was uh, okay. So I guess I can I can start with the realization and work backwards. So the realization for me was that I, I don't know. I was I was feeling a certain. There was a lot of stuff going on in life, and I was feeling um, kind of like the pressures of being, you know, second, third year in your your role um, at, at the job, and just like being trying to finesse life and figure out how to survive and then manage your friends and then manage your family relationships and things like that. One day I just felt like super exhausted. And I was like, you know, like what's, 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 what's missing here? Like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like something, something was missing in terms of like my mental happiness and things like that. And like, just like what I, what I wanted out of life and things like that. And while I was doing what I was doing, like these are things like you constantly try to remind yourself. And these these like motivations they change. They you they move around in priority. Like some point is family, some point is you know booty woo here and there. And then so I got to that point where I felt like I was super exhausted. I was like, all right. A lot of times when that happens, I try to reevaluate my priorities and things like that, and what's what's my motivators. And I, I think there was a common theme that I realized where mo- most of these motivators, they didn't include myself. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and it became this thing where it's like, that you can, you can have so many aspirations and goals in life, but if you can't time back to yourself, it's going to be like, unless you're just a saint, um, it's going to be very difficult for you to like, find self-gratification from it and continue to continue to do similar deeds and things like that. Um, so I think the realization was just like, and I'm a, I'm just going to sum it up, just kind of just love yourself a little bit more. It's like give yourself a little bit more credit, like tap yourself on the back, things like that, like things like that are very, very valuable and help your energy. Because I was like, I was, I was clearly, I was exhausted. Uh, you know, I, I, can, I, I can tell when I'm exhausted. You know, when I hang out sometimes, um, you know, just focus. I just want to chill in the house right now. I'm like, I don't want to talk. I go into my room and stuff like that. You know, I live with a couple other cats. And, like, sometimes you don't want to interact with the other cats because you like, I just don't feel like talking. I just came home from work. I'm so exhausted. And, like, I ain't real, like, this kind of, like, this actually ties in perfectly with the vacation. Like, I didn't realize how emotionally drained I was being in New York City because you, you in the thick of it. Um, like so, it's a it's a New York state of mind where you grind and it's a pace, like I said. But it's easy to get carried away with the pace and get like kind of like in the thick of things. You know what I mean? Like very yeah. competitive. 
very goal centric and like and then like just going over overseas and just seeing a complete change in mentality and like just different like I said just like beautiful in in and out like different people and like that was such a emotional this and then that realization last year were both like they went hand in hand like yin and yang it was just like all right this was exactly the emotional uplifting I needed and like to continue like to reevaluate my goals and things like that and then like build better relationship with your friends and things like that right because um, like you know what I mean like the, all this yeah. stuff plays and plays a part and like that that was just like I don't know man it's, I guess that's part of like growing up coming in dog like I don't know if that's a realization I could have had like five years ago so maybe it is the right time to have this but um, I just felt like that was that was the time. I think it was a, it was a it was a it was a good moment for me. I felt like very appreciative of it. That's um, dope. It's kind of, and it's kind of just been helping. I think I see a, a noticeable difference in just like you know my interactions with people. I'm like you know I'm smiling a little bit more. Like I'm more willing to do a lot of stuff for people because I'm like more being invested. Like one, I'm I'm more energetic, but also when I'm putting myself into their shoes and I'm making it more relatable, you know what I mean? So that gives even more incentive to like do the, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's interesting. I mean, I feel like, I feel like you and I are, are similar in, we're similar in a few ways, but I feel like one thing that that's similar is that a, we both have like very big aspirations and like sense of self and like what we can accomplish if we put our minds to things and our visions for what that can be are mm-hmm. very, um, non-selfish like we're very much like want to do so that others can also do like that's like part of the reason that i would uh consider you such a close friend is because like the our missions are very similar in that sense in our own mm-hmm. but i feel like with that comes a lot of tunnel vision and i feel like what you're speaking to is really about stepping out of that tunnel vision in like two different forms like one is the form of tunnel vision of like being so driven on what you want to do and what you need to do for other people that you forget about where you where you are in it uh and you lose that that sense of like i don't know like like you said like it would be great if we were all just saints and like that's certainly like i aspire to uh saintly qualities (laughs) (laughs) but at the same time like i can't act like i don't have an ego like my ego is gonna chill when i tell it to but i still it still has to be told still there still there right (laughs) Um, so i think it's important to like be able to you know, step out of like being so mission driven sometime and be like, yo, but like also like, you know, I got to kick back sometimes. I got to like leave the country. And I think, well, I also think in terms of leaving the country, that's also, there's the tunnel vision of, of just like the day-to-day grind and, and hustle. And like, we only are experiencing through our lens. So like if our lens isn't traveling to too many other places, then we're like, we're really out here as if this is the world, you know what I'm saying? Um, right. The world is way bigger than New York City. <laughs> Absolutely. So I feel like that's like, that's a real realization. And I definitely, well, I mean, I think also the the notion of realizations, um, and you talked about how like, it's something that you might not have been able to learn at another age. I feel like it's like, while we're doing all these things, and like, while we might go too far into it sometimes, um, and get that ton of vision, our subconscious is our always working like our subconscious is always taking it all in and like when those realizations hit it's because like the subconscious is like yo bro i figured it out like (laughs) (laughs) that's happened on my end too where like i'll be in a really shitty mood or i'll be or it'll be even be the other way where like i'll be like 
too much on my ego and not even realize it or too like I don't know whatever my vision will be clouded in whatever way and then mm-hmm. it's always like the subconscious coming up out of nowhere to just be like yo here's what you need to like focus on to remember and then yeah that shit can have a lasting impact man I mean well you know we don't gotta go too deep into all of the realizations we've had but like I've told you about some of mine which have definitely um still influenced my actions and behavior and like approach to life now so it's dope absolutely like, it's interesting when like you learn something from yourself and you don't know where that came from. <laughs> it's the music. <laughs> Wait, so are you like all self-taught as far as um, the music side of things? Because I know that you've produced, I know you write, but I've never really asked like where that came from. Oh yeah, so pretty much all self-taught. Um, I had some brief exposure to some trombone back in the day. And I was like, when I was, that was just like as a requirement, a music requirement. I think I was in middle school, but that's about it. Um, I mean, I did sing in the choir when I was younger, but that, so that was, there is some, some musical ties, but all of it is self-taught. All the production, all the, the music theory, all that stuff is self, self-taught. self I mean, give credit where credit is due. We did take that music home class. <laughs> so I got a little bit from that. <laughs> But no, and I'm being facetious too. I got a lot of my family is um, family members are musicians. My mother was a singer. My aunt's an opera singer. I mean, just like being around, just like musicians and, and just music lovers growing up, just kind of exposed you to it. So I wouldn't say it's like all self-talk, but a lot of it is. And a lot of it actually came post-college. Just being curious on the music side, on the music front. I always had this guitar that my grandpa gave me when I was younger. And I always told myself I was going to teach myself how to play it. Never actually did. But that kind of still motivates me to do like other instruments and stuff like that. I'm looking at it right now. You're still, I still don't know how to play it. But I think that, that kind of like um, that drive to learn how to play music kind of pushed me towards learning the keyboard and learning how to produce and things like that. And it's kind of like leave, left over as like a, like uh, icing on the cake if I learn how to play the guitar type thing. You mm. know what I mean? What's your approach to, to learning something new like that? Like, are you just, like, are you buying books and reading about it? Are you just, like, watching videos on YouTube? Like, all of the above? <laughs> I think the way I've come to approach it, yes, books are, like, my primary resource. But I like to, I like to, I'm project-oriented. So I love gratification for finishing things. I think we all kind of we got that positive feedback. Um, so a lot of times I'll just I'll come with an idea and then I'll tie that to a project and then learn and that's take the necessary resources I need to complete that project. Like whether it's like learning some new, you know, concept in music, studying a couple, you know, Rick Rubin books or whatever like that to accomplish that that project in a like a dope way. Then I'll do it that way, and I'll, coming out of that project, I'll, I'll have learned a bunch of new stuff, and then also completed something, so you can have something for it. You know, just kind of like that. I could how we do it in school. You always have these projects, and it kind of make it kind of makes sense because we like to we like to have some gratification. You know, yeah, that's um, the best way to do it for sure. Yeah, uh, okay. Damn, you like you wrote a book and shit, bro. Like you're really. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't quite finished the book yet, but. I definitely want to. I need to finish that up. Another thing we have in common is we have way too many like ideas for dope projects that we want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of them have Absolutely. to. Absolutely. 
how do you how do you prioritize that like especially like for me one of my biggest issues as far as like the to-do list and all the things I want to do is proactivity versus reactivity which is like to to get started and to like lay the seeds down for what needs to be done takes time but then also to water the things that are already growing from the seeds that have already been growing also takes yeah. time and there's only so much yeah. a there's only so much time in the day but then also like you don't know which plant is needs water at what like you got to really keep track or you might overwater one and then the other plant is dead you know what i'm saying so yeah how yeah. do you how do you like approach that balance and, and that push and pull between the things that like have to be done in the moment versus the things that like have to be done to plan for the future. I think and I apply, I apply this to my, to my work as well, but I think one of the better approaches that I've come to interact with is agile, agile approach. Um, and it's kind of like it gets its roots from software development, which is what I do. But I think like, the way that helps is because so for so for one you need to always constantly be evaluating your priorities right um, this is like a constant constant cycle you know doesn't doesn't matter if it's today tomorrow it needs to be happening like frequently mm. evaluating whether this particular project or or block of work needs to is more important than whatever some other project or, or block of work um, and we call these like sprints we have these little sprints. Damn, you're like illuminating terms that I overhear at work that I didn't know what they were. (laughs) (laughs) I know what sprints are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like that. So it's a so sprint is a powerful um, technique in agile development. um, Just just because it allows you to focus on a smaller portion of work and and just get out you know key features that you want. And like this is how you can manage like multiple projects. Um, and give them varying, you know, levels of attention or whatever, or priorities, because you now you've already released little core core features. You stuck to the deadline. Now you got a, a, an essential. I mean, you can call. We can treat everything like a product. Even like every every project you've done, just treat it like you know somebody else is going to use this at some point. Which is which is cool if you treat it that. Even if it's just yourself, you get a really really dope finished product. Because you get your core features in there, you got something you actually want to share, and that or if someone actually stumbles upon it, it's something you feel proud of. But that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of um, how I approach any of my projects, not just for work. Like any of the projects I do, personal, creative, creative wise, or whatnot, I, I, t- I typically try to force myself to do it that way. Because if not, then a lot of my projects fall by the waste. Like the one the one I did for this book, I didn't necessarily. I didn't necessarily plan it out that way, which is why it's taking a little longer. I think if I'd have done it over, I would definitely. I mean, I could still do this, but I would have definitely planned it from the jump. Like, what's a what's a you know critical portion of work that I want to get completed by this time? You know, based on other stuff that's important at the time. That way, I can continuously build on it. And now I'm like, all right, cool. But now I've gotten two or three sprints out. I got a pretty decent book out. I can maybe I haven't completed. The, the the best editorial aspect of the book, but at least I got, you know, twelve chapters done or whatever, or how many chapters you want. But Right. Um, that's that's dope too, because you're kind of taking something from like the computer science world and then applying it to, to the creative world. And I feel like the, well not I don't want to say creative, but maybe sometimes more to the humanities world. Um and I feel like those two are sometimes 
kind of divorced from each other. So it's interesting that you're yep. able to, to bring those together. And actually, I was thinking as you were saying that, I was like, yo, like that's actually really, like, I don't really know many people who do what you do on a day-to-day basis, but then are reading philosophy books at night necessarily. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I'm sure it's, I'm, one, thing I, one thing I learned from like traveling o- overseas, I feel like at first I would say, probably said the same thing. It's probably like not too many people. But now I'm realizing this so many, like if you, for example, you do the same thing. I'm pretty sure you reading philosophy at nighttime too, making dope. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> how much music you didn't put out in the, in the past, like, <laughs> like how is that even possible? <laughs> you got a full-time job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Burning the night, the, the night wood, man. But um, yeah, just just like, I just realized like we, we're so relatable like it's people like if you could find so many dope people that are just like you, they may apply it differently or like had different like walks of life, but like man, we got so many like one common thoughts, but also just like not so common thoughts, but still you can find a I don't know a silver lining amongst yeah, your, your common thought. gold. I think that's such yeah, a common goal. That's exactly exactly yep. That's what I was thinking. Exactly the word I was looking for. Yeah, man, that's real. It's all about just kind of building those connections and, and recognizing who's cut from the same cloth, but recognizing that you yeah. aren't necessarily cut from the same cloth, but still have value to the uh, tapestry. Confused over analyzed, bow tight, and I've always been categorized. Casual light, nothing really matters like. Mistakes I made, take a suit, try. Take bikes and ride till it won't ride. But now I is mad how time flies. In the fire, my life well highlights. Marley at the scores, phone box for draw. Number one to my door, 16 go to put. Check Drew, go farm, where first but I saw. Southfield, check soft, get a bike, then we score. Toby, Phil, get a chase and we off. Black when I first got locked. Tuesdays the cheese, never seen it before. Thought we had straps, five cars on us. Five man deep and we all in cost. Like five man deep and we all in cost. Five man deep and we all in, all in. Five man deep and we all in. All in cars, five man deep and we all in. Like five man deep and we all in cars. Five man deep and we all in. All in five man deep and we all in. Five man deep and we all in. Bob shot hot rocks in my joggers. Went boxing, but I'm not no boxer. Northampton, yeah, man, I'm a cobbler. A time in my life, man, I went church, air rifle for the pictures on the verge. New life flats, we were all flying birds, molten got. Terrorized when I went spin burrows and the pub got turned. Louis Demar, man, I miss my bros. Wind off thing trying to take their souls. Demar need they wouldn't let him out the cell. But I'm happy he's alive, he's alive and well. Shout out the people I bump know for real. Shout out Jill for the food drip, real. Know where I live, you know you get, you know you get, you know you get chill. Five man deep and we all in cars. Five man deep and we all in, all in. Five man deep and we all in cars. Five man deep and we all in, like five man deep and we all in cars. Five man deep and we all in, all in. Five man deep and we all in Five man deep and we all in Used to stash food at Amy's She'll have a split for Jasper Lost a dog, drunk on vodka Responsibility, another chapter I'll do it, plain face, so obvious Oblivious to a consequence Never anonymous, known in my postcode Pit back and a crossbow You can get snooked at Q Club Banging on the window